so let's uh, let's begin by looking at page 49. Let's turn to page 49, uh, and we'll be looking at uh, how faithful God is, uh, based on what He has done. Page 49. People sometimes break promises. God never does. Page 49. Ever been left with a broken promise? I'll pay you back tomorrow. It's amazing how tomorrow never comes. Eh? The repairman will be at your house at 8 o'clock. Isn't that a good one? The doctor will see you shortly. How long does it take? Yeah, right. How shortly, shortly. I'll always be there for you. <laughs> Another good one. Some broken promises can't be avoided. After all, when we make promises, we don't know about traffic snarls and sudden illnesses. But whether the broken promise is a slight irritant, like forgetting to call a friend back, or a devastating blow, like a shattered marriage vow, when we experience enough broken promises, we may begin to question anyone's ability to remain faithful to a promise. We can even lose hope. Thankfully, God is not like us. God is always faithful, no matter what. <laughs> the reality of Jesus' resurrection points to this great truth. By raising Jesus from the dead, God showed he makes the impossible possible. Nothing prevents him from keeping his promise to us. God is faithful and will always do what he says. Jesus told us he would rise from the dead, and he did. Let's look at the resurrection of Jesus that first day when Jesus came out of the tomb and discover how we can have hope because God is faithful. Okay, now let's look at that first question we have there. <coughs> first question. <laughs> Anybody ever experienced that? You're watching a movie and you think you missed something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you ask, well, how did that happen? Um, it's like the Fast and Furious movies. Mm -hmm. How could they possibly? How, how could you do this thing? <laughs> you would be broken in so many different ways. You, you wouldn't survive dealing with all the mm -hmm. things they do in this movie. Yeah, the movie industry has a way of bringing you to the point of asking that question. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's look at a Bible meets life. Skeptics often question the resurrection of Christ, but those who have objectively looked into it come away with a different conclusion. One. I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer than the great sign which God hath given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Thomas Arnold, Oxford University. Two. 
Harvard Law School professor, Dr. Simon Greenleaf, mocked Christians in his classroom until some challenged him to put the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus through the filter of the law. He took up the challenge and found the evidence so convincing, he concluded the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most well-established facts of history. <laughs> the evidence points to the resurrection of Jesus as a verifiable historical fact. This evidence also tells us something about God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Skeptics were present on that first morning of Jesus' resurrection, but God's faithfulness was also present. Boy, isn't it amazing how God always gets the last laugh? Amazing, isn't it? And what's our point uh, today? Ever thought about the empty tomb in that light? That it points to God's faithfulness? Have we ever seen the empty tomb as God proving his faithfulness? Never thought about it like that, eh? So this lesson is an enlightenment to our hearts today. Uh, that God shows his faithfulness in so many ways that we don't even think about them sometimes until they are raised. Okay, let's look at the first. Well, let me uh, let me look at um, the backdrop or the back the setting for what we're going to be looking at today. The description of Jesus' trial begins with his appearance before the Jewish Sanhedrin. Later, Jesus was brought before the Roman governor Pilate. Uh, we see that in, in, in a couple of passages there. Um, and uh, Pilate transferred the inquiry briefly to Herod Antipas. Unable to discourage the Jewish crowd, Pilate ordered Jesus crucified. After his death on the cross, Jesus' body was placed in a new tomb. Not a used one. Records about the women's discovery of the empty tomb uh, we see that account on that Sunday morning. Okay, so that gives us a snapshot of what we're going to be looking at as we go into this study. Uh, something that we can think about as we move forward. Now let's look at that first passage of scripture we have there, Luke 24, 1-3. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Okay, continue reading. At the beginning of Luke 24, resurrection was not in, on anyone's mind. They certainly weren't expecting it. Notice what the women were carrying as they came to the tomb, spices. These spices were not for cooking, However, they were to prepare their friend. They were to prepare their friend. Boy, it's fine and very. The women were not expecting the stone to be rolled away from the tomb. See, Mark. Three and four. 16, three and four. On the way, they, uh, uh, they asked each other. Who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone 
which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Continue. Nor were they expecting the tomb to be empty. They knew they were at the right place. They had seen Jesus' body placed there. Okay. Uh, 15.7. <laughs> Mary, Mary Ma Ma go ahead. Go ahead. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, observed where he was laid. Okay. <coughs> but now, on the morning of the third day, they walked in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. We should not be surprised they were. Perplexed. We should not be surprised they were perplexed. Since they didn't find what they expected to find. No one just walks out of a tomb. It's impossible. But God makes the impossible possible. If God were like us, his faithfulness would be limited by his ability. <laughs> God could not be faithful to what he has said he will do. I can read that again, I get it. If God were like us, his faithfulness would be limited by his ability. Mm -hmm. God cannot be faithful to what he has said. He will do it. Do if his ability, capability, and power has limits or restriction. Mm -hmm. But the empty tomb proves that God is not like us. Mm -hmm. Nothing restricts God in his ability and power to deliver, to do whatever he chooses to do. He makes the impossible possible. God stepped into our time and space and made the impossible possible by raising Jesus from the dead. The changes, God changes everything since God can raise Jesus to life. He can do other seemingly impossible things, remove our sin and give us a new life that never ends. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's look at the first two paragraphs there again. Notice, at the beginning of Luke 24, resurrection was not on anyone's mind. Now that's amazing, isn't it? Because Jesus said he would rise from the dead, right? Throughout his ministry, he told his disciples over and over that he would rise from the dead. But at this particular point, that wasn't on anybody's mind. They certainly weren't expecting it. Notice what the women were carrying as they came to the tomb. Spices. What were the spices for? They weren't for cooking. They wasn't going to have a cookout <laughs> or a meal. They were to prepare their friend's body for burial. And that was a normal custom. All right? Just like the, the, the morticians would do today when they would have embalmed body, bodies, uh, preparing them. That's what they went to do. Okay, they didn't go for any other reason other than to do that. The women were not expecting the stone to be rolled away from the tomb, nor were they expecting the tomb to be empty. So they had a lot of expectations. None of them were true. They knew they were in the right place. You know, when they got there, they may have thought, well, you know, we may have come to the wrong tomb. Well, they were in the right place. They had seen Jesus' body placed there. They knew there was a place. They remembered. They had good memories. They remember this is the place. They probably had a landmark nearby. They identified a spot like we do sometimes. Okay, so they knew it was the right place. 
But now, on the morning of the third day, they walked in and did not find the body of Jesus. Imagine the shock and horror that they had when they came there. We should not be surprised they were perplexed, since they did not find what they expected to find. And we have that experience sometimes too, don't we? When we expect to find something somewhere and we go and it's not there. We're often perplexed too, aren't we? So when we look at two and three, the description of the tomb suggests that it was a typical, the tomb was typical for wealthy people uh, during that time or that day in the Roman era. Uh, it was an unused tomb uh, because the persons, uh, wealthy people in that day, because Rome, the area is a stony area, they would go and they would, they would carve out their tombs in these stones long before they were even thinking about the, that they were going to die because they wanted to have all that stuff prepared in advance. And so this was a typical uh, tomb, and that's why it was unused. It belonged to somebody else who prepared his, his burial place in the event that whenever it comes uh, to be needful, there'll be no delay. They'd have the funeral and the burial, and they'd put him in it. And tombs usually had a low door and steps that led down into the main room. Often a recessed door left a ledge on three sides of the room. The deceased body was laid on the ledge. About a year after the flesh decayed, the bones of that person, the dead person, were transferred somewhere else. All right, and that was, that was the custom during that day. This large uh, stone disc rolled into a sloping groove and rested against the opening of the tomb. Removing the stone required a tremendous effort because it was so large. No normal person could do that. No couple of people could do that. It was very large. And that's why the women were concerned. How are we going to get the stone rolled away? Because they knew it was a custom for these huge stewards to be over the, over, the, over, the, over the tomb. However, when they reached the tomb, the stone was already dislodged from the entrance and the door was wide open. It's amazing how God works. Right? Did the woman approach the entrance, entrance cautiously or did they rush in? We don't know, do we? The gospel writers don't tell us. But it could have been cautious because when they looked and they got there and they expected the stone to be there, and they, they probably stood back and wondered, well, how do, who moved the stone? Okay, but the gospel writers don't tell us how, how you know, whether they rushed in or they stood back and wondered who moved the stone. Luke clearly stated that the women saw inside the tomb. Okay, and so it was clear enough, it's obviously they saw inside and, uh, and they saw that the place where the body was supposed to be, there was nobody there. They saw that. Uh, and they saw the burial cloths uh, uh, that the body was supposed to have been wrapped in. And there was nothing wrapped in them. All right, so there was quite an incident. Let's look at the second question. What do you remember about the earliest encounters with the resurrection story? What do you remember when you first read this resurrection story, however many years ago it was, however old you were when you first read it? What uh, was your earliest encounter? What do you think? I think that it had, it had to be <clears throat> the greatest event in the history of the world. Okay. And I read it. Okay. That was my impression. All right. 
Okay. My reconnection I remember as a child. During Easter time, my mother would read it to me, and I was fascinated by the story. I'm surprised. Okay, fascination. All right. Anybody else? I always loved how the angel was there and said, you know, don't be afraid. <laughs> He's risen, just as he said. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were mm-hmm. able to go back. Okay. My recollection is, wow, God did what he said he was going to do. <laughs> he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Uh, I, I, I got to say this to a <laughs> His mind was kind of born to his heart. So the beast went to him and asked him, what's in the body? He said, water. So we said, bring the water here. Let me taste. Let me see what it is. Let me see it. So then the beast Look at the one. He said, no, this mind, the mind said, Jesus did it again. What a way to use scripture to get out of a jam, eh? <laughs> we said, Jesus did it again. Jesus turned the water and the wine. <laughs> it's amazing what people can come up with when they're in a jam, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Now you can tell he grew up reading the Bible, right? He knew the scriptures. <laughs> Most of them normally do. Okay, the, the resurrection shows God made the impossible possible. In the next verses, we further see how God always does what he says he will do. He never goes back on his word. So let's look at the other passage we have. Verses 4 to 8. Someone go ahead and read it, please. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the woman were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and died on the third day. And they remembered his words. Okay. Then the paragraphs, the women were not left in their perplexed state. Two men, angels. Someone read Matthew 28.5. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. Okay, so two men, angels, appeared and asked a single question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The men seemed almost incredulous about the women's presence. You're looking for Jesus, but you're looking in the wrong place on this Sunday morning. The man gave only one option for Jesus' absence in his place of the dead, in this place of the dead. No one stole his body, nor did he revive from unconsciousness in the cool of the tomb. 
He is not here. He has risen. This shouldn't have been a surprise to the women. The gospel writers had highlighted Jesus telling his followers these things. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Matthew twenty eighteen. And then secondly, he began to teach them about the Son of teach him that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. Mark 8, 31, 32. Notice, he said this plainly. Remember, sometimes he spoke in parables, right? He didn't speak in parables here. He said it plainly so that they could understand what he was saying. And there would be no confusion. We know the disciples were listening because on one occasion, Peter reacted and even rebuked Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Matthew 16, 22. On another occasion, when Jesus told his disciples what was coming, they were greatly distressed, according to verse 17-23. But God is faithful. Disciples could count on God's faithfulness to carry through on what he had promised. Scripture records almost 9,000 promises from God. We can trust the one who extended these promises to us because the empty tomb means God's words and his promises are not empty. He does what he says. He will do. The same faithful and powerful God who raised Jesus can take care of you. The words spoken by these men jog the memory of the women. They remembered his words on a Sunday morning that moments and on, on a Sunday morning that moments before had seemed so frightening and perplexing and heartbreaking. These women realized the final impossible promise from their Lord had come true. Jesus had risen from the dead. A couple of highlights uh, we need to consider as we look at that passage or reflect on it. Uh, the two men, angels, they ask a single question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you think they ask that question? Because uh, they thought that they should have remembered what Christ said. said. Exactly. Right. They should have remembered what Jesus said. He said, I will, I will be crucified and after three days I will rise again. So he said, what are you doing here? What are you looking for? Uh, 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 what are you looking for? And then maybe to comfort them as well. So mm -hmm. they think that the body was stolen or something like right. that. Right. Reassurance. <laughs> of the promise that God has made. And then uh, the second point, the men gave only one option for Jesus' absence in the place of the dead. No one stole his body, nor did he revive from unconsciousness in the cool of the tomb. He is not here, but has risen. There are some who believe that Jesus wasn't really dead when he put him in the tomb, and that he was unconscious and he came back to life after he spent some time in the cool of the tomb and his body came back down to all kinds, all kinds of stuff they come up with. To try to, 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 to deny uh, that Jesus actually died. And so that those type, types of things are floating around at that time. Remember, Herod told the soldiers to lie and, 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 uh, and that they would be protected, right? So there were all kinds of stuff floating around. 
And then uh, the third point uh, is that the scripture records almost 9,000 promises from God. How many of those have you realized? <laughs> 9,000. That's a Surely lot of promises. <laughs> Some people can't keep two promises they made. God made 9,000 and he will keep every single one of them. We can trust the one who extended these promises to us because the empty tomb means that God's words and promises are not empty. He does what he says he will do. I'm sure many of us have had experiences where we became victims of empty promises, right? Remember how earth-shattering that was, how disappointing and discouraged it made you? And someone made you a promise and you found out that, you know, they were not, they didn't have any intentions of keeping the promise to begin with, right? So we could, uh, we could reflect on that. Um, not only these women were perplexed um, when they saw these two men in these dazzling clothes uh, in verse 4 it says while they were perplexed about this behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel just the appearance of these men alone uh, meant that something wasn't normal here there was something out of the ordinary here not only does the resurrection show that God makes the impossible possible, it also shows that he does what he says he will do. The women were perplexed. Uh, they were at a loss to find an explanation for what they were seeing. They didn't expect to see to begin with what they saw. And so there was reason to be perplexed. Suddenly they realized they were not the only ones inside the tomb. Okay, they went there to bomb the body of Jesus. But when they showed up, there was somebody else there that they didn't expect. Two men, and they didn't look like ordinary men. Now, Matthew and John identified the messengers as angels. And we know that uh, within scripture, excluding the cherubim and the seraphim, angels have had the appearance of men from time to time. Um, hence, Luke describes the appearance of the angels. The angels' garments were long white robes. The original Greek language, in the original Greek, Greek language, the word lightning is related to the term Luke used to describe the robes, which gives us an idea of how bright uh, these robes were. So these women were no, they knew that there was nothing, this wasn't normal. Something strange going on here. And this seems to be that the angelic garments possessed a mysterious supernatural quality. And we've seen that on many occasions uh, when angels appeared, right? Uh, there was brightness. Uh, and uh, God typically used that uh, to show the significance of who these individuals are. They're not normal. Question number three. Why do we sometimes forget, <coughs> why do we sometimes doubt or forget what God has promised. Why do you think we do that? Because we think like human human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, we think like sinners. Mm -hmm. We're inconsistent, mm -hmm. and we uh, unfortunately can uh, think inconsistently about God as well. Mm -hmm. And it's a faulty view of Him. Right. It's a, it's based on our worldview. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's how we see the world and we get caught up 
into how everybody else views God and His promises in the Word, and, uh, and somehow we get thrown off track. Okay. Yeah, we think it's not possible to. We think that okay, that's not even something that he can really do. Yeah, well, you can't understand it's it, like so it, you can't. It can't happen. You know, we we try to rationalize everything. We try to come up with a reason to explain everything. And if we can't find an exp explanation for it, then it's not real. Okay, and so we doubt and uh, forget God's promises. Uh, not only does the resurrection show God always does what he says, but the next verses we're going to look at will also, we'll also see that he is not bound by unbelief. In other words, God ability to do things is not determined by whether we believe it or not. Okay, so let's look at those verses. That's uh, verses 9 to 12. Okay, if we can have someone read those verses, please. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. These words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw the only women. He saw only the linen cloths. So he went away, amazed at what had happened. Okay, he went away amazed at what happened. Look at verse. Uh, the, the, the next question there. Two questions. Let's look at question four and five before we get to the paragraphs here. What emotions come to, to the surface when we read these pas this passage? When we read these words, what emotions we experience? How Jesus <clears throat> suffered, probably in the most room from of crucifixion, mm -hmm. that has ever been experienced in the history of the world. Um, I don't think there has ever been another crucifixion that can be compared to the crucifixion of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we know the crucifixion was going on a long time, right? And it was very gruesome. But this is the first time that God allowed a spotlight to be focused on crucifixion, the crucifixion of His Son. Now, a lot of people who were crucified didn't go through a lot of what Jesus went through. And it's primarily because of who Jesus was. Remember, in one account we told we were told that they, they normally broke the legs of the soldiers, uh, the men who were hanging on the cross. But when they got to Jesus and they saw he was already dead, they didn't. But God orchestrated that because the scriptures predicted, the script prophesied that not a bone of his body would be broken. So God allowed a spotlight uh, to be focused on crucifixion for the first time, so that we human beings can see the nature and the gruesomeness of what crucifixion is really all about. Uh, I remember when I first studied um, the account of, of Jesus' crucifixion, boy, it was, it, was, it, was, it was gruesome. And it was very, very emotional for me. Um, question number five, what are some possible responses to Jesus' resurrection? What are some possible responses uh, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that you have heard, basically. Uh, it's, it's, it's a mixture. 
of response. Mm -hmm. And that picture is um, unrelated. Okay. It's not real. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Whereas, on the other hand, um, it's, it's, it's a positive that um, it's incredible <coughs> for when that happened, did happen, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Possible responses to the Jesus resurrection. I am deeply grateful that God accepted his sacrifice on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And so... Gratitude. I always yes. And it's amazing the way how he just, I mean, it's such a brutal kind of death. And then he just did it for us, even though some of us would seem like they would never accept. And I like the way how at the same time the veil was torn. So you didn't really have to go through anyone anymore. You could just go direct mm -hmm. to God. To the end of the temple, right. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs there beneath the verse and see what it said there. Someone want to read? Which is this one? Yeah. There is that one? 56, yeah. Oh, 56. Rushing back to the, to the others, they reported all these things to Jesus' little followers. Unfortunately, the woman's report did not have the same effect on the unknown or on the other people gathered with them. These were things like nonsense to them. They wrote it all as, as ridiculous. Ludicrous. Ludicrous and inconceivable. Consequently, they did not believe. They include the 11 remaining apostles, the ones who had walked closely with Jesus. These were Jesus, they were Jesus' closest friends, those who had spent the most time with him. They heard everything he said, including the statements about his resurrection. Yet, in this moment, they were skeptics. Skeptics. The empty tomb is proof, positive, solid evidence that God is not bound by our unbelief. God did what he did because he is ultimately faithful to himself. He does not have weekly limits. Neither is he necessary limits by our lack of faith. Faith is important to, to be sure that both God can and sometimes will accomplish his plans and his purposes in spite of our unbelief or lack of faith. God is always faithful to himself. He promises and his purpose. And so you can believe he will always be faithful to you. Peter was the first. Peter was the, the, the apostle we often see saying or doing the wrong thing, but not this time. Peter, however, got up and went to the tomb instead of staying, of staying in doubt and unbelief. He got up and went to check it out. 
for himself. He investigated Peter chose to exercise what little faith he had left, and he found God to be faithful. Let's retain our grace to think faith first. That means no matter what happened, we remain trust whom are faithful, God instead of doubting him, we should immediately and automatically trust that God is in control because he is. If the resurrection did not happen, if Jesus did not really risen from the dead, then nothing in Christian life matters. See verse 15, verses 13 to 14. Someone of those verses. First Corinthians 15, 13, 14. Yes. Um, they say, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Okay. But if the resurrection did happen, if the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, that changes everything. <coughs> when we see the truth of the resurrection, our skepticism faded away as faith emerges. Fear is replaced with hope. We can trust in Jesus because he is alive. We have a heavenly Father who makes the impossible possible. Okay, so the tome is proof positive, the passage says, that God is not bound by our unbelief. So whether people believe or not, God moves and works according to his will and his purpose. God did what he did because he is ultimately faithful to himself. He does not have earthly limits, neither is he necessarily limited by our lack of faith. Faith is important, but God can and sometimes will accomplish his, path, his plans in spite of our unbelief or lack of faith. God is always faithful to himself, his promises and his purposes, and we need to remember that. Okay, God is always faithful to himself, his promises, and his purposes. We could never accuse God of being a liar. He is always faithful to himself, his promises, and his purposes. If we ever come across any passage of scripture that seemed to, where God seemed to be uh, unfaithful in any particular way, check his promises, check his purposes, and check how faithful he is to himself. And so we can believe he will always be faithful. Now there's an activity that is very helpful and I encourage you to do it if you haven't done so already. Uh, circle the areas of life below where you have seen God's faithfulness and write a prayer of thanks to him for it. Okay, that's a good exercise and I encourage you to do that if you've not done so already. Uh, let's look then at how we can flesh this out. Now that, notice that verse that was uh, included in the passage is highlighted here on page, uh, is it page 57 or 49? 57, right? If there's no resurrection of the dead, 
then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That's a good verse to remember. Whenever we hear from the skeptics uh, about the resurrection. Okay, how will you respond to the faithfulness of God this week? Choose one of the following applications. And there are three as usual. <coughs> Believe. Jesus invites you to follow him. If you've never trusted in Christ, place your faith in him. Talk to someone in your group about your desire to believe and trust in Christ. Or perhaps you have a friend or a neighbor who has not done so. Here's an opportunity uh, to be able to reach out to them. And then investigate. If you still wonder if the resurrection of Jesus sometimes is something you, you can count on, look, look, at it, look into it for yourself. Read a book such as The Risen Savior, The Search for Jesus, Tome by Charles Qualls, or The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. We saw the movie last time, right? Case for Christ. Then uh, trust. God is faithful to what he promised. And because of this, Jesus' is empty. Jesus' tomb is empty. Since God can handle something so miraculous and powerful as raising someone from the dead, trust him with the struggles you are facing. Isn't it amazing that God is able to do what he did in raising Jesus from the dead, and we have these little problems in our lives, and we don't want to trust him with it. Amazing, isn't it? Trust in the one who is eternally faithful. All right, turn your cares over to him. Trust in the one who is eternally faithful. It's okay to start out as skeptics, but we should be honest ones. And if we are, we'll find that the faithful God, who has always been there for us, will be there in the future. <coughs> Amen? Amen.